0: the waking up from work podcast my name is Dave Swellum let's get ready to hustle hey hey welcome back to the waking up from work podcast this is your host, Dave Swillum. I am super happy to have you guys here. This has been unreal amount of fun, and I am sure as hell not slowing down, not stopping anytime soon. So shit's been crazy. I am selling my house, which I totally did not plan on, and uh, we're possibly buying a our first investment property, like a, a duplex or a multifamily. It depends on how some of these things go, but we're we're starting to do that right now. We're fixing this place up and it's just getting real, real interesting and real rowdy. We're getting uh, lean and I'll kind of go over that, I think in a YouTube video or something to talk to you guys about some of the things that I'm, I'm doing that I think are better positioning me to be able to do more freedom and liquid actions and what I want to uh, do. So it's been really interesting. There's a lot more reasons behind it that I will share with you in probably a couple months when things level out a little bit here. But that's what I'm up to. So I've got, I just put my audio set up to like record this intro at God knows when at night to get this out for you guys. So this is episode 13. We actually went on site again, just like episode five. And we went to Ancient Fire Meat Insider because we could not stay away from the craft scene here in New Hampshire. It is baller. So we actually went right to Manchester Went to their place after hours, hung out with Jason and Margo, and they're coming into about a year in of business in March. So, we actually got to try some of their mead. It is super good. If you like really any craft stuff, you're probably going to like it. And I really don't like sweet things. So, check it out if you're in the area. Good stuff, great vibe. But we talked a lot about some good stuff too during this. So, we really talk about kind of the transition from hobby to profession, like when does that happen? what qualifies you to be that way or not, and also uh, the transition from you know working your nine to five job into you know working and creating your business, some of the tangible things that are happening along the way, some of the things that need to shift in the way you're doing things and and even how Margot loves her job. And that is so cool because she just is doing what she's doing without doing these other things that we're talking about. Like as if we put them on a pedestal, she just likes what she does and that's perfect. So I really like that discussion as well in here because sometimes we get too lopsided in the way that we're talking. Like we, we do like it when people just love their jobs. Like you don't have to have a business or, you know, this other thing that you created. If you like working for a company, doing something that really energizes you, then that is awesome. Keep doing that. So, you know, the audio quality is not as good because we've got a lot of stuff going in the background and we're there, but the energy, the vibe, the passion of someone's face when you're inside what they've created and they're talking about it is on point. And I think that that always, always surpasses kind of the little uh, finickiness to it, but it's not too bad. So without further ado, I welcome you to Manchester, New Hampshire's ancient fire, meat and cider. Let's go. Welcome to the Waking Up From Work podcast, episode 13 in Queen City, Manchester, mm-hmm. Ancient Fire, Mead, Insider, mm-hmm. Lucky yeah. episode 13. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> 13.
1: Manch Vegas. On
0: Tuesday, the not 13th. The not 13th, yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Thank we're, you for having us. We're, you for in us. Your, you we're in your house. Oh, yeah. We're, we're live on set. Welcome to the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
3: Yeah, this is a little different. Normally, <laughs> normally, when we have people here, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> what that's true. It, what happens? People... Uh, it can get very loud in here. Okay. So when, we, when this room is full, it is amazing how loud it can get. And, oh, I believe it. it. Yeah, it's, it's not something that we had necessarily counted on. And the first time the room was full and it was really loud, the two of us looked at each other. We can't really scream at each other from the, across the bar. We have to come a little closer. You to need like to,
0: walkie-talkies or something. Yeah, You'll something like, like a that, target, target smoke manager. Smoke signals yeah, or <laughs> something. Put so. <laughs> some little
2: soundproofing in between all these. Yeah. Thursday and
3: Friday nights can get a little rowdy in here sometimes. You know, I believe p- it. People have fun. We're only open till 8, but people, you know, they come after work looking to have a good time and you know, the jokes get rolling or somebody says something silly. Like our Lynn, our friend Lynn said something about, she doesn't like shit, nuts with shells. You can rip on that for about an hour if you really, <laughs> you really want to go for it. So we have a good time. Awesome.
0: Yeah. So I read ahead of time on your website and your story is very cool. Oh, and yeah. We were just talking about it like just a tad when we were like warming up, but with me not butchering it, I wanted to hear like, How did this business happen? You're just talking about like 10 years ago, you would have never thought that you were sitting in a place that you could get loud in and rip on people about, nutted shells on nuts. <laughs> <I guess. laughs>
3: we'll, we'll make sure Lynn listens to this. So she can be like, well, this that wasn't exactly what I said. Well, no, that's what's funny about it is we, we can make a new joke on now it. Now it's so. live. Thanks, Thanks for now talking it's on to Sprint. strangers
2: over the internet about me. <laughs> I appreciate right. it. Yeah, no,
3: she'll be really appreciative of that. So yeah, no, we, so we tell people that we have, we have a cool story and, you know, cause everybody has one, like, like I mentioned before we, we came on. So the, the journey to here was not an intentional one. We, we did not set out at any point up until maybe just a couple years ago to actually do this. We, we were having fun learning how to make fermented beverages at home. Sure. And that came about um, from a question that I was asked as I was recovering from cancer in 2003. So Margot said to me, Hey, uh, would you like to do something other than work all the time? Maybe a hobby. Seriously. That's yeah, a killer question. And, you know, good thing of, to have. yeah. Leading me to a place where the hope was that maybe I'd appreciate the time that I had, you know, living in the bonus round, not having passed from cancer, but being successfully treated and, and being getting back on my feet. Excellent. It was a, it was a cool question. And why I blurted it out then I still have no idea because I don't really know how much I had been thinking about it. I said, I want to learn how to brew my own beer. Mm. And there was no, there was no reason for me to have said that then because it wasn't something that I was talking about all the time. Right. I had one friend who had done it and it was okay, but it wasn't like I had ever sat with him while he did it or anything. I don't know what it was, but at that point maybe it was like license to pick up a hobby and spend money. I mean, like, Hey, brew my own beer. That's gotta be fun. Right. (laughs) Got the pass. And I said it and Margo said, great, go get what you need. Do that. And, the only caveat, you know, to that was just get some stuff so you can make me like girly fruit wine as well. I'm like, sweet. I can do that. I'm sure I can figure that out, too. So sure. that's where this all started. And like so many people that get into homebrewing, it can be very addicting. You can Absolutely. get
0: completely
3: enthralled by Maybe all though. of it and spend more money every month than you did the month previously, you know, on, on equipment and ingredients. And yeah.
2: Yeah, right there with you. Yeah. (laughs) So it's exactly like. But that's where this started.
3: It was literally learning how to make five gallon batches of beer in my kitchen and getting really excited about it, making wine, making cider. Uh, We made our first mead uh, as an, I won't say as an accident, but not purposefully. We, We didn't actually know we were making mead. We'd been making fruit wine for a couple of years and you typically need a secondary sugar source mm-hmm. for fruit wine. Fruit okay. in itself doesn't have enough sugar in it to make a, a wine strength beverage out of it. So you do something like add white sugar, white grape juice or something, use honey. But mm-hmm. well, when you use enough of it, there's more sugar in it from the honey than there is the fruit. And that actually technically means it's mead. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was. A friend of mine actually mentioned, oh, so you made mead. What? I had so no I idea what he was talking about. I didn't even know about. that was a thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so then we just, we kept making different stuff when we finally came back around and made some more mead um it was it was again good And we're like wow this is really fun and then we started spending more time with it and then we actually got like on the real journey that we're on now which is honey is a really interesting ingredient there's a lot of different kinds of honey out there Mm -hmm. and
2: for most people it's completely unexplored territory yeah me you know so how do you what is all what's up with all the different honeys Like, going to death, I'm interested now.
1: (laughs) So the honey takes on characteristics based off of what the bees are pollinating at the time that they make the honey. So it takes on, like, we use raspberry blossom honey quite a bit. So it's because those bees were pollinating raspberry blossoms for that farmer at the time that they made the honey. So similar to how a brewer would use malt. So if you're a home brewer, you can take different types of malts to get the end result that you're looking for. Well, we can do the same thing with honey. So like our honey tasting bar, we're up to, I think 18 different types of honey and they go from very much like a dark molasses type of flavor all the way up to an extremely light honey that you has like just a very light, sweet flavor. Very to it. light and floral
3: and that wow. based,
0: based off of the vegetation that they're yep. essentially that's living so cool. on the climate, the type of bee, like everything is going to factor into that, even and the season. It,
3: yes. And not even the local wildflower honey are all the same. And that's, what's great about it is we can get wildflower honey from a couple different sources that are well, all within a few miles of here. And those honeys are different because that bees, bee, the, the, the that beekeepers bees, you know, are are foraging on whatever flowers are near them. Maybe that beekeeper keeps bees in their backyard and has a huge flower garden. So you've got these ornamental flowers, which add a lot of character to their honey where another beekeeper may have his bees at a farm somewhere and is, is pollinating, um, you know, farm crops, things like chili peppers and buckwheat. And and that's going to completely change the character of that honey. So we're not even, we don't even have to go beyond the local area. We certainly have because we've discovered some honeys and, along the way just like brewers get fascinated by certain ingredients some brewers have a particular type of malt when it comes to needing uh, you know, a certain attribute that they really like, there may be five choices, but they may like this particular vendors one better because that vendor has a particular way they produce it and they just like the character it has in it. Well, we've come to find certain honeys have character that work well with other ingredients in ways that those same ingredients don't necessarily pair well with, with other honeys. So this is the journey that, that we found ourselves on and, that was, you know, doubly addicting because now there's an ingredient that we really don't know that much about at all. Right. You can't really go ask a lot mm-hmm. of people because most people don't know anything about honey at all. Right. So, you know, you've got this
0: huge the only of, way is to experiment. Yeah. yeah. this huge open road in
3: front of you just to start doing different things. And that's really what we were doing. And as we got better at it and as we started getting recognition and competitions for it, the, the inevitable question came up is, well, what are you guys thinking about doing with this? Like, would you open a place commercially? And for years we said no, because we were having too much fun doing it at home. Yep. We both had jobs. We liked, it was a nice kind of separation between the day job and the hobby. You know, I get out of the day job, I race home and guess what I'm doing at night mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing the fun stuff. And that's what's fueling me to stay focused on. I got to have a job. We all mm-hmm. have to have a job, you know, unless we're independently wealthy. And if I got to deal with the ups and downs of corporate America. At least having a really fun hobby is a great way to kind of balance that out. So for years we just said, no, 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 no. And then almost three years ago,
1: I think it was, we had gone to a mead maker conference and a local mead maker, actually from here in New Hampshire, um, Sap House a gentleman by the name of Ash, uh, Jason was with him at this event. They were an after hours event and, Jay always was introducing himself as an amateur mead maker because this conference, it's there's professionals who go and there are amateurs who go. Mm-hmm, right. And Ash said, um, you know, he's really, he said to the person Jason was talking to, like, this guy's really kind of downplaying his skill. He's been doing it for years. He's been writing about it. He's been teaching classes about it. Like the only difference between him and a professional is he's not actively selling it yet. Right. But we know that that's coming is pretty much what Ash said. And, He came home. Really? How do you know that? He knew your
2: success before you knew
3: that. (laughs) But I think that that's like what you guys are doing. You meet people that are passionate. Mm -hmm. He, he saw something that he was pretty sure he knew what it meant and he was willing to say it because Mm -hmm. he felt like he understood what passion and what drive looks like. And he figured that for somebody who acted the way I did, I was not going to be able to say no forever. Right. Right. Because and, and of course he was right, but I was shocked to hear it that way. I'm like, really? What, what do you know that I don't know?
0: <laughs> a different, like, so someone in a different situation who went after that hobby, like you did right to get into it. It could be, they work their job and then they still like love that hobby, but they hit it up like once every once in a while. And they're like, yeah, I, you know, I do this. You're coming home and you're like, I need to get to this thing that I want to do. Like, yeah. You can see that fire in someone when it's like different, when it's like once in, every one, you know, once in a while yeah. versus going after it. And, and that's actually he-
1: what happened is he came home from the conference <laughs> and he's like, so <laughs> this is what happened and this is what Ash said and, and what do you think? And I, I really feel like this is something I want to do. It's something we should do and, and what do you think? And I'm like, I mean... Yeah. I mean, people, you, can't, you can only have so many, because profe- we have home brewer friends who have gone pro sure. um, that own their own breweries. And even they would say to Jay, they're like, ah, oh, we can see it in you. It's a matter of time. You're one of <laughs> us. It's a matter of time. <laughs> and I said to him, I'm like, you know what? So many people that are doing this for a living have told you that you need to do this for a living, that I support that. Let's figure out what we can do to make this happen.
0: Right.
3: <laughs> Just all the affirmation in the world.
1: Yeah. yeah. So That's that was right.
3: March of 2016. So we, we, we started the business planning process later that year and, um, you know, started looking for locations that fall, but kind of wrapped that up before the end of 2016. It's just, we weren't seeing what we thought we wanted to see. We're like, all right, let's, let's finish working on some elements of the business plan. We'll come back to start looking for locations after the first of the year. And it was good because we, We made some changes to what we were thinking we were going to do. Like every single time we went and talked with people or went and looked at new locations or did a little bit more research, we just kept fine tuning what we were doing. Um, And and that, I mean, it's almost three years ago and it seems like it was yesterday, but it's just blown by so fast I mean, once we found this place in june of 2017 just working the paperwork and everything like you could you could taste it you're like you know stuff's gonna really start
0: happening and, you're like oh man now this is like through. it's yep. a spot yeah. and it's a place it's concrete and now i'm building it it's no longer just my business plan which even the business plan when you start writing that yeah. even that like when you're putting pen to paper and you're like i'm gonna do this thing to do this that's a big
3: accomplishment just, just to get alone to there, yeah, yeah
0: completely consolidates like it being like a table conversation to be like oh crap like we yeah. wrote a plan now we have the location now i'm in my metery and i'm like making stuff every day and that just happened like that's yeah. crazy
3: yeah so the gentleman that was here when you guys were setting up that left is actually a friend of mine so i met him through a mead making group on facebook and he lived in alaska at the time well it turns out that his brother-in-law owns uh burnt timber tavern um, and brewery up in Wolfboro. And he was actually coming out this way to live for a while to help them with the restaurant and everything. So he's been making some meat for them to have on tap there. So he comes down cause he does some errands down this way, comes down to hang out. And so we were hanging out today, making some meat out back. And part of the conversation, you know, was just, I looked at him at one point. I said, isn't this awesome? Great! This is what we get to do. This is is our job
0: now. Yeah, you
3: know, and I don't take that for granted at all because it wasn't that way just a few years ago. Like I remember what it was like to get up every day and be on that rhythmic schedule of having to go to the same place and file in the building with everybody else. And oh, great staff meeting! This is going to be a great time, you know. Or oh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. corporate, you know, corporate executives are in. Everybody on be on their best behavior. And it's like oh yeah, this is just going through your motions. Oh, and you know, exciting. I remember what that was like, and but I don't take for granted this is what i get to do now because i i mean you shouldn't either and because it's not what everybody gets to do Mm -hmm, yeah somebody's got to make beer somebody's got to make cider somebody's got to make mead assuming that we all want to have to some to enjoy but being able to to do it sort of at your own direction because it's your own place that's that's pretty awesome i mean it's it's hmm. it was
1: three years but we kind of had a long-term plan, we always knew that he wasn't going to want to do IT forever. We had talked about that. Mm, Sure. Um, And he had been, for a really long time, like the primary breadwinner in our family. I was one of those, like, I don't know what I want to do, people. Um, (laughs) And we talked about it, and he ended up supporting me to get my master's degree. And our plan had always been, like, for me to take my corporate career to the next level so that he could start ratcheting down. Yeah. And maybe at the time we were thinking maybe he'd still do IT consulting a little bit, you know, part-time, yeah, and part-time then maybe time or something go just to work at someone else's tap room for a while. Like we had different ideas. Um, so we, it, it really, while it was three years, it, t- it was like a 10 year plan that was executed. And in like in the last three years, I think it was, it was, we finalized what that was actually going to end up being.
3: There was a placeholder there. With a question mark of like, what is this thing? And, Mm -hmm. and we really didn't know, was it going to be beverage related? Was it going to be, I work part time and I do, you know, nonprofit work. Like there were all kinds of things that it could have been. And it just seemed like not having kids. So not having all those bills to pay both of us having had good jobs for a long time, you know, being able to save some money. There was lots of possibilities. You know, and so some people thought they were pretty sure this was going to happen. But most of those people would freely admit, yes, but they did not. They did not make you feel like they thought that for sure. Mm -hmm. People would be honest and say they always told us no. So whether we thought we knew something or not, they were always they were always honest that they weren't really thinking about it that way. Mm -hmm. So so I mean, how you get here then for like a lot for a lot of people, I'm sure you hear this is that it's you feel like you're kind of fumbling through different things and there is something at the other end of it. I was never bothered with having to absolutely know what it was. And even now we, we, we make alterations in the game plan based on what happens around us. I mean, we, we've decided to do some things that weren't in our original business plan already. And we've had some things that haven't, really come to fruition yet because we just don't feel like the opportunity is is really there it wasn't it wasn't what we might have thought it was Mm -hmm. so and i i still feel like we're doing the same thing within the context of this but that's because i've switched jobs Mm -hmm. i have a new job now yes i I happen to be the owner of the company as well which means i have about 12 jobs but Mm -hmm. i have a job now and i feel like we're doing the same thing is just go in every day and do the best possible job of doing it but when opportunities come along we get to decide And not, well, go to management, find out if they're interested in it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, nah, I don't really care. We get to decide, do we want to jump on this? Is this something we want to do? So that does make it, that does keep it a little bit more exciting. I think,
0: I think like a lot of people starting up like a big hesitation that gets in their way is they really just want it to be this clean, linear path, just like any other type of job. Right. Like if you do, if you do the thing, then you get to do the next thing, but it's not, but small business and entrepreneurial or like starting a a passion, it's not clean. And, And it sucks because people are, you know, so used to so many things that are that way. Like, but, but it's not a clean thing. And it's like, once you get past that, it's not clean. Like there's, there's some things that I just have to like completely just believe in. And that's like, the worst because they're like, that's not concrete. There's some things I had to <laughs> so flat I can, out just believe in. Am I
3: convincing myself of this <laughs> or am I, I, I hope just, this works. <laughs> yeah, the myth.
0: Exactly. And then there's other things that like obviously calculated risk. Like you're, you're assessing things and then you're, you're, you're getting mentors. Like there's a million things that you can do to like reaffirm it. But like, just like you're saying, like you're in it right now and there's stuff that I'm sure that happens daily where you're like, just like you're saying, like, that wasn't in the business plan for this person to do this thing or for this resource to do that, or for this but to hit the thing, mm-hmm. but, uh, deal with it. <laughs> I got to keep breath in and out every day. So I had to, I had to navigate it. Yeah. I mean, and I think the, the biggest,
3: the most specific thing that I always told people when they would needle me about this was that, just because I'm having fun making these beverages at home and getting the recognition that we were getting for them in competitions and in other venues, that's not the totality of this business. There is a, a actual business to be run. Mm-hmm. And that was the piece I said to people, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready to run a business. Cause you know, while it's great to have the freedom of running your own business, you have the freedom of running your own business. There's nobody that's coming mm-hmm. to rescue you when something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. It's your business, and I wasn't <laughs> yep. ready for that. I, I just and I and in the last couple of years before I uh, retired from from my IT career, I took on some additional responsibility at the company I was at. I was I was you know formally leading a couple of small teams. I was I was seeing the the level of patience and. um sort of reserved initial judgment you need to have about a lot of stuff to Mm -hmm. be an entrepreneur. And so I could feel like, all right, so I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with this. And my attitude is more oriented to what I need to be able to do with this because it's like so many things in life. Being an entrepreneur is how you react to everything. You're never going to have all the answers. You're never going to have all the resources you need for every problem that's going to potentially happen because you'll stack your resources up and then it's the problem you didn't anticipate. So you're never prepared and you got to be ready for that, which means you have to have a flexible attitude, a flexible Mm -hmm. disposition. And I didn't for a long time, I was definitely not as flexible as I would have needed to be to do this. So I would tell anybody if they're hesitating, think about it that way. And if you get kind of bent about stuff that happens at work on a regular basis. Think about when that happens and there isn't anybody else to share that with. Mm-hmm. Or keep it running. Right. Yeah. Or just if you're just going to get bent, it. then mm-hmm. your business is not going to f- succeed. Your, your business is going to take a stumble that day because you're going to be focused on being bent about something that happened rather than, okay, what do I do now? What's mm-hmm. what's the answer here? Like it's, assessment of the yeah. situation. It's like a
0: flinch. Yeah. It's like you waited too long to like react. It's like, okay, like you have to be able to take the hit. Hesitation you have to be able to stay calm.
3: Yeah. And, yeah. and that's in where, so where, when you're distracted by you know ah, god damn it why did that happen you know and you let that go on too long and you're getting yourself all twisted up and you know overly dramatic about it and everything you're missing the opportunity just to react me like right. okay yeah this is my thing and you know this isn't going to kill my business so i just got to come up with a really good answer right now that'll smooth this over maybe it's a short-term answer and i'll need to get back to something else but that's where the win is mm-hmm. and i didn't feel like i was going to be able to do that so i think i was smart if, to, to say it that way, to have realized that I was not the person who would have been able to do that yet. But I felt like maybe I could learn what I needed to learn or, or expose myself to things I felt like I hadn't yet to help me in my own career so i can get that out of the career that's waning and, mm-hmm. and feed it into the other one that's why i took on additional responsibility took some chances you know stuck my neck out senior with senior management this company in a few ways it didn't make me terribly popular but it also put me in situations where i, I was stressed out mm-hmm. you know and needed to grow needed to be a different person needed to change the way i was going to do things and yeah. it helped and then i'm like oh, okay i feel like i'm much more ready for this now so it seemed like a that's natural awesome. thing to right? say
0: self-awareness is like yeah. that is like the biggest gift in the world Mm -hmm. if you have that and you were you literally knew you're like there's traits of me that i need to be in a certain position for me to go to the next step it's like if you didn't have that you would have you would have either a just gone like right into it and then hit more mistakes that that shouldn't have or or maybe waited too long so that's crazy that's awesome that you had that so
3: margo how honest of a, a statement was that was that, was that pretty spot on?
1: That was pretty spot on. I mean, <laughs> and people ask me too, they're like, oh, well, he, you know, you're still working, you know, the full-time day job and, and he gets, I love how they phrase it too, like gets. he gets to do Ancient Fire full-time. <laughs> and I actually find that amusing because speaking of self-awareness, I, I actually like my day job. I mean, yes, it drives me crazy Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I had struggled for so long to find what I wanted to do that now that I am doing something that I'm good at that I wanted to do, I'm okay with the fact that I go do that every day and and he's here taking care of what needs to be taken care of Sure. Also, you have to have, if you're doing this in a partnership at all, you've got to have 100%. I completely trust every decision that he makes. I completely support every decision that he makes because I'm not the one who's here nine hours a day
0: to have the context,
1: to have the context. So, I mean, he'll, he'll message me during the day and be like, Hey, you know, I got this question or, Hey, we got this opportunity. What do you think? But he knows that I'm at my day job. So sometimes I can't answer right away. Yep. And I know that if I can't answer for an hour, and it's an, a decision that needs to be made within that hour, that he's going to make the right decision for the business because he's the feet on the ground here.
3: Right. Well, the example is the one today. So the American Cancer Society has a program called Hops for Hope. And I think they started it last year, although I could be I could be misquoting. That's when I first saw it. And they contacted us last fall about it because they were working with, I think, Long Blue Cat and Pipe Dream and at least one other area. Brewing. Love
0: both those places. We were actually at Pipe Dream.
3: Yep. Yeah. I mean, and we have we're on the beer trail here, which mm-hmm. has been really fun to. I was going to gonna ask about that. Yeah, we community. can we can definitely get we'll, we'll we, get yeah we can get back to that. So. Sick. Um, so we were actually in the midst of our own American cancer society campaign in the fall at the time they contacted us being a, a longtime cancer survivor. We've actually been very active with American cancer Survi- Sor- society for a number of years. Awesome. And so we brought that into our business. So we said to them, Hey, we really can't do this right now. Cause we're, we're finishing up with that. And then we've got one for the food bank that we're doing, you know, through the end of the year, but you know, let's catch back up. Well, I saw on Facebook today that they posted, you know, Please, you know, let local breweries know this is something we're doing. And so I contacted them and basically I had made the decision. We're going to do it. I picked a date. It means we're gonna we're gonna set a percentage of our proceeds for the evening there to get donated to the American Cancer Society. I looked at all that and said I can make this choice because she's gonna be totally cool with all of it. Mm-hmm. She's actually gonna be excited about it. Going, oh, that's great! That's a great event for us to get involved in because mm-hmm. it's in our core passion and it's something that we can also do here. Like any of the events that we can do out of the metery here, we know we can get all of our community involved right away mm-hmm. as well. So we know that we can make it a success. Sometimes we get involved in external events, especially if it's nudie. you don't really know exactly what to expect, so you don't know exactly how much you can actually do. Right. Mm-hmm. So this one just seemed like a slam dunk. So I signed us up and went and did it. But I, and I wasn't worried that I was at any risk of making that decision without reviewing it with her. Right. Because it, you know the impact of it is is small on us, but the impact of it to who we're helping is actually going to be sizable and they're mm-hmm. excited about it. So you know those are those are things where we have that, that agreement to be able to do that. But there'd be other things I'd be like nope i'll take that home we'll have that we'll have that conversation over dinner table I exactly know <laughs> if this is the right choice or not because uh, you know I may have to make a decision in the middle of the day if I don't have time, but if I have time, mm-hmm. it's always nice to hear somebody else's opinion because sometimes you can get pretty wrapped up in in what you're doing, and and lose, you know, and and not be focused only because you're thinking about it just one way. So it's nice to have the feedback. I will I say
1: real quick that he's very much downplaying how much he did for the American Cancer Society. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we raised about a hundred and ten thousand dollars wow. over around that's nine that's years. Yeah, he, congratulations! Yeah, he's testified oh, wow. in front of the New Hampshire State Senate um, as a cancer advocate. He um, was recognized by the... Apparently I have
3: a cheerleader tonight. He was recognized um, by Mass Mass
1: General every year, recognizes 100 people who did amazing work in the field of cancer advocacy, and Jay was nominated and was one of them. Um, got to go to a big gala event. It was really cool. Um, but yeah. Th- and that's like another thing when people are like, well, how did you know that he'd be able to do this? It's like, cause when he is passionate about something and when he believes in something, like there's no, like just get out of the way.
3: Yeah, <laughs>
2: absolutely. <laughs>
1: because <laughs> <You're all over. laughs> if he believes
3: in this something. This is
2: happening
1: no matter what. <laughs> <one, laughs> superhuman. Yeah. So.
2: Tenacity.
1: He downplays that. You know, he downplays I mean, some of his I, achievements. I don't, I don't <laughs>
3: downplay it for any reason other than. I mean, if you think about it, this story, I mean, it's in our, we're in our what, 16th something year. There's so much, yeah. there's so many pieces. I mean, we've actually run long on podcasts before because people keep asking questions and the, I mean, we just have answers for all these crazy things that we've done. I, I, I feel like that richness of the life that we've got to live. I, I'm sure, cause I've heard the stories from other people too. Everybody's got this. Some people just don't necessarily know how to tell the story and the fact that I'm, downplaying if you will, that piece of it what was only because that wasn't necessarily the core part of the story I was trying to tell right then, but
1: I'm just really proud of him. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I have that in my mm-hmm. corner. So, I mean, so I guess I should just say more about myself at some point. <laughs> like, thanks Margo. <laughs> Be less humble Jay, because everyone's going to tell your story anyway. Well, maybe I'm
0: letting, maybe I'm letting other people tell my story too. <laughs> so you um, did a good job. Thank Definitely. You told him. it well.
1: Yeah. We, so to get back to the beer trail, Yep. Um we actually kind of fell into this location which was cool. Um Yeah, we, how did it happen? We were originally looking in um primarily in Londonderry and Derry because we live in Londonderry. Um okay. and there's a very active beer and craft beverage scene obviously Absolutely. in Derry. say London there's dairy. a
2: couple of meetings. Londonderry yeah. is looking good. It's yeah. it's, it's, yep.
1: it's 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 an awesome time. Um it's a good scene. Awesome time to be alive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, it is. Um, so, we, our realtor had actually shown us a space across the street and it just wasn't going to work for us. And he's like, Oh, this place just came back on the market. Let's go look at it. And the minute we walked in here, we we're like, I mean, come on. There's like backyard breweries right there because yep. they mm-hmm. were getting ready to open, I think.
3: So, they, were, right? so they rebranded and reopened as Backyard in. Uh, over July Fourth weekend, I think in twenty seventeen.
0: Yeah. Okay, and you guys are hitting a year in on this place in March, early March. Yep. I yeah. I saw. Yep. Okay.
1: Yep. So we between that and then we knew like you know Pipe Dreams is up there. We knew Long Long that Blue Long Cat, Blue Cat had, had the coming soon sign yeah. forever.
3: You know, and yeah. they opened December twenty seventeen. So you know, in a mile and a half stretch of road, now you've got three craft producers mm-hmm. a set on Saturdays, especially. We have people, we were just at Pipe Dream, we were just at Long Blue Cat, we were just at Backyard, we were just at Great North Ale Works across town, or Candy Rub Brewing, or we were in the mill yard at at Millie's and Stark, you know, so we're, there's enough proximity to Mm -hmm. all these other places that, no one's no one's concerned necessarily that like, well, they're not a brewery. They're a winery, Hmm. especially when you have craftery though. Yeah, it's, it's it's craft beverage for sure. And and our primary product line is, is a, is a different type of mead than what most people that had had mead. What
0: we're drinking right now is mead. That's mead. Yeah. So way different than what I started out with. And I love this way more Hmm. like this. This is awesome because This is the, to me, like if I were to, if I'm to geek out a little bit on the the beer side of it or the craft side of it is, is killer because this, if I was never educated on it before, which I've, you can totally correct me, but at least for my friend group, a lot of my friends, I'm the educator on mead and I'm wicked new in Mm -hmm. mead, right? Mm -hmm. But this you give to any of them and just don't even tell them what it is. And they're in, whereas other mead, I still love because I'm a wine drinker too. Right. But that's not the same bridge to me as this right here, which like yeah. right in line with cider taste. But but I like this even more than cider. This is good. Yeah,
3: right. This this was done. This was done on purpose. So let me introduce to, to, to you what this actually is. So this is a product called Making It Happen. So this is actually the second what we call our maker series. So our maker series are meads at seven percent alcohol, lightly carbonated, single honey. So this is actually made from blueberry blossom honey. Cool. Mm. So the first one in the series was called maker's legacy and made from raspberry blossom honey. And we've subsequently done versions with orange blossom, honey, wildflower. We have a second with wildflower coming And I think cranberry blossom honey will be the next net new one that we Mm. do. Awesome. These are a great way to understand what mead at this level of alcohol and the carbonation can actually be. There's no other ingredients in it except for that honey. It's a great introduction for people for for a very social casual version of mead. Something Mm -hmm. that you can actually drink a glass of and be like, oh, wow, this is fun. Like we hear a lot of interesting things about people's perception of the other meads that they've had. We hear too much alcohol in some cases. We also hear too sweet in some cases, um, we hear a few people say too too wine like. I think this because of the carbonation. They, they bring it back to sort of a beer and cider experience, yeah, which mm-hmm. it, it certainly is a, a, a very good parallel for. But we we made this particular beverage our core offering when we started. Um, we didn't introduce the stronger meads, which we do actually make um, until July, so we'd been open for a number of months. Cider didn't come online until about June as well, and we did that because we wanted to introduce people to a new version of mead very we knew cool we weren't introducing people to mead per se because mm-hmm. we have competition in the state of new hampshire there's moonlight meadery in londonderry yep sap house meadery and Ossipee. they'd been open for eight years prior to us so they certainly had plenty of, of time to evangelize for mead which we greatly benefited from because a lot of people know what the word mead actually means right
0: mm-hmm. um, it's less of, education for you than yeah you had you would have had to do 15, exactly. 20 years Just ago. Just to
3: introduce the idea that you could ferment honey and turn it into an alcoholic beverage. So we do get a lot of people who come in here who know it has something to do with honey, but they don't really understand what. Mm-hmm. So we, we made this beverage sort of our, our central focus from the beginning. And it's still the thing that we make the most of uh, because we wanted to give people another option for um, an alcoholic beverage. Um, to sit next to cider and beer because we had so many occasions where we could just see that somebody was sitting somewhere and there was just not a beverage choice for them. Sure. Either they didn't like beer or couldn't drink beer and the cider options were pretty dismal, not really big into cocktails or wine, you know, and just wanted something else. We just thought, wow, you know, sessionable mead would be awesome for Mm -hmm. people because you can do so much with it too. Like we're, we're, you know, so this is like, I don't want to call it a starter mead because it's not really the right way because it's it's got a, a good deal of its own complexity it's a good intro, to it.
0: Absolutely. But it
3: is a good intro because it doesn't have all this other stuff hiding the honey flavor. Like you get the honey flavor there. I definitely I mean, do. If you were to taste the blueberry blossom honey, you would actually be really amazed at how much the, you can immediately get the flavor parallels. There's mm-hmm. nothing hidden here. You'd be like, wow, okay, that really does taste exactly like the honey. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, what's been fun about this particular series because we're able to introduce that to people. And they say, what is it supposed to taste like? The honey. Well, what do you mean? We'll go over to the honey tasting bar, go find a sample of blueberry blossom honey, take a taste of it, come back, take a taste of this, and then tell me what it should taste like. Right. And they do that. And they're like, oh yeah, it should taste like the honey. It tastes exactly like what I just ate. And they're like, okay, so <laughs> what does that mean for all the different honeys you have over there? I'm like, well, what do you think it means? they'd all taste different, wouldn't they? And you just to see the moment where you just see the person's
2: mm-hmm. all the, all the like, bells and like,
3: lights. I don't even understand off. what you just said right now. Or like, just keep coming back, mm-hmm. just keep coming back. And you'll see it in action. And it'll make way more sense to you that whatever's over on that table, you taste it. I can turn that into a mead that tastes almost exactly the same. Some of them work would work well this way. Some of them wouldn't. That's the knowledge of the maker. I, I have that information. I'm always checking out new ingredients, honey being one of them. So sometimes I might not make this particular style of mead with honey because it's just saying, eh, it's not going to work exactly the way people would
0: want. So it's going to land well for gluten-free market, right? Like, gluten, like people who cannot, they like just physically cannot drink a beer yes. and they can drink cider and then this now,
1: what right? Because pro- sometimes
0: been- people are cornered at cider when they go out with their friends, and then it's like, if you go out to a brewery, which now obviously is so much more popular, what other choice do they have?
1: And that's why we're actually, so Great North Ale Works, we t- mentioned them a little earlier, so their brewery here in, in Manchester.
0: Friend of mine, Brandon, just started brewing for them. He
1: was just here. No yeah,
0: way. He was just here on <laughs> Friday <laughs> night. Oh, yeah, Friday that's... With
1: his, I think his dad. Oh, too world. funny. Yeah. That's too
0: funny. Small but yeah, um, they have good stuff.
1: Rob and Lisa, are, uh, who own the brewery, are sure. very good friends of ours. They're, they've been in the same homebrew club as us uh, for like the last nine years. Um, so uh, they've been huge supporters of us. And they have a guest tab because, like us, they have a beer and wine license so they can serve other people's product. Cool. And they have, they have, put us on tap originally because they liked our stuff and they know that Jay knows his stuff. Um, and it has gone over so well that, I mean, we're on tap there almost all the time. And I think the reason is what you just said is that people can go there. And if you want to drink beer, drink beer. If you want to have something that's not beer, have something that's not beer. Yeah what's interesting and what is happening
0: oh boy, is that they over. now
1: have some people who are going there because they want to try our, they know we're on top <laughs> and
3: when awesome. you're with the group you can actually you can make you can say yes to go there mm-hmm. when you know that all your friends are going to be able to get whatever they want for the beer that's available exactly. and you know you have the non-beer option which you're all excited to have do won't be that stick in the mud right. Yeah. well
0: and, like my wife like I can drink an IPA for the rest of my life like all day I can wake up and drink <laughs> coffee with an IPA I'm cool you can just put hops in my face you know my wife not about it not about it she still likes beer but like that that honestly has made us go to maybe some other breweries a little bit less because great north is um, uh, is is awesome but they're so ipa and i love it but, mm-hmm. but that would make it so that she can come with me and I don't have to find another friend group to hit that place up for her. Well,
3: Great. we're on tap there right now. Yeah. So. Awesome. <laughs> it, for as and long as it lasts. So they, and they here, just got yeah. two kegs Saturday. So that should still be on tap when they open up on Thursday. Stuff's been moving there pretty quickly, which is, is. You know, it's challenging because we're making to keep our taps full here. We've got some restaurant accounts and, you know, they've become a very solid account for us, too. They have some other rotating stuff that they want to put on their guest tap as well, which is sometimes beer. So, you know, we're not on every day. Mm hmm. And apparently, there have been people that have complained, going, "Hey, where's the ancient fire?" They're like, "Well, no, (laughs) we've got one of our one of our gypsy brewers that that brews with us. Their their beer that they just came out with is is on tap now. So they'll be back in a couple of weeks, and and, you know, and that works for us because that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. But it's funny to see how quickly people got used to it. The people want it for sure.
1: And we've had the cool thing about this place is that it's if you come in here on any given night and we're busy." There's such a cross section of people in here. It's amazing. You have people who normally only drink wine who come here. You have people who normally only drink craft beer who come here. You have people who only drink Bud Light or Budweiser who come here. Awesome. And, and
3: we don't th- serve either of those things. So I don't know why. I mean, they, they, they're, <laughs> they're certainly not coming here <laughs> for blocking that. up
1: the wrong tree. <laughs> yeah, it's right? like my, my nephew in law. Um, this is one of my favorite stories, but he. He drinks only Bud and Bud Light. And right. Jay, my poor husband, for years has been trying to like try this beer, Rousing try him. that beer, try this beer. Can you just, be a
2: human being, please? But he would say to me, he's like, Be cultured. I'm,
1: I'm trying his homebrew to be nice, but I really, you know, it's not my thing. Not and in, yeah. I like Butter, Bud Light. And he loves this stuff. So mm. him and my niece had gone to a, like a craft place, a craft beer bar, and they're like, well, maybe we can try other craft things now that you won't only drink Bud Light. Yep. And he didn't like any of the beers that he tried. Oh, no. And what he said to my niece was, you know me. what? We just have to face it. I like Bud Light and I like mead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got
0: him into the craft. Yeah. yeah but so
1: it's really kind of cool. I mean, that's my favorite part of this whole experience is the tap room, hmm. is... People who never would talk to each other would never have any other reason to meet. Retirees are talking to recent college graduates, you know. Right, There's, it's, network. It, the craft beverage, to me, the craft beverage tap room is the, one of the last places where people go and socialize with each other. And it's okay.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. No one's looking Around. at their phones when they're yeah. here. They're all talking to just each other,
3: randomly talking to some stranger at the bar next yeah. to you, assuming that you're, you know, you're not going to get dismissed because it's, you know, someone's place where they go to get away from somebody else. And you're here because you want to be social. You're, mm-hmm. you're,
0: you're, right, you know. the community. Because yeah, you know that you're part the of people a community that are drinking craft. I mean, they, yeah. they're not, they're not doing that because they just don't like they care about it. Yes. So it's so much easier, like for anyone hitting the beer trail, anyone that's like hitting other craft breweries and places like that, then there's a lot to talk about anyway, naturally, right? are like there's the new community, community, community anyway. centers, as yeah. far as
1: I'm concerned. Like they're places where people go to gather and and be a part of a community that's bigger than them. I mean, we have We have regulars who come in here now that are all friends with each other. They all come on the same night because they know all those other people are going to be here on the same night. They didn't
3: know each other a year ago. That's awesome. And and they might have met somewhere else and, I mean, give it time and and let people move around as they often do. Who knows? They probably would have. But they met here, and that's really cool to see. And it's for us, it's it's an affirmation that the business is doing what it's supposed to do because— You know, as the person who makes the mead insider, I mean, I, I've got to be good at that. I've got to be passionate about it. I've got to have my head in that game. But I also have to remember that that's not the sole purpose for, for why we're here. It's not. It's part of us of a, an offering of things, if you will, that mm-hmm. make this go. And and you know, the entertainment piece, giving people a fun place to hang out, and and you know, making it truly fun. Whether that just be because the two of us are cracking jokes or we were talking about maybe getting down one of those old like sit down video game consoles you know i'm just thinking about the donkey kong one that was at my Mm -hmm. dentist when i was a kid forever that
0: would be sweet putting
3: that in the corner you know putting that in the corner over here just Mm -hmm. because again you get you know we found you know we've got all different ages of people that come in here but we've got a lot of people that that grew up at the same time we did you know we've got some some pop culture references you know in in our decor and our names and they get that stuff
2: immediately so got the nice warriors yeah the warriors poster yeah you know you you, you get a
3: video game like that and you know it's it's going to bring people back to their Mm childhood it's going to bring back you know them to to want to have those experiences and then when you realize that you know, they met somebody here like, yeah, yeah, come over, play play me in Donkey Kong or whatever. And you just look at that going, yeah, it's not really about the beverage anymore, is it? Mm-mm, it's the it's, atmosphere. Yeah. It's
2: the feel. It's the, the invitingness. 100%. And I really enjoyed how you guys have been talking about the community so much. And it's a cool contrast, especially how you were talking about coming from corporate America and how I feel that corporate America and what people's idea of corporate America is kind of like this very uh, me against you, my business against all these other businesses. And it's pretty apparent in this area. And, you know, we can, we can test this when we talk to John is that
0: he, you know, you think like, Oh,
2: you know, Oh, I own pipe dream brewery. I don't want any of these other breweries to do well. I want all, I want all the beer people to come to my brewery and this and that, but it's just, that's not how it is. Oh, you know, Oh, you're into this and I'm into that. And I want to be, and so I wanted to, you know, kind of pick on that a little more. What do you, what's the significance of, of the community feel and, um, and how the it's an actual community, not only in the region, but also in the feel and in, in the field. Um, how do you guys like cultivate that in between other business owners and, and other corporations? Because even what you were talking about, the American cancer association, um, even even stuff like that in corporate America is different, um, giving money and whatnot. Whereas you know, with you, it's it's personal. Right. You know, this is my business. I'm giving to this, I which feel is like it why doesn't it, it can more really work. It.
3: That's why it can really be successful. Is because it is personal. We we mm. I think we we did another event for the food bank at the end of the year, which reminds me we just go drop that donation off. By the way, um, and it was not as successful. <laughs> as the one with the American Cancer Society. No less personal for us, because Mm. we've been supporters of the food bank for um, a long time. But we ran out of time in organizing that particular event, and there was a component of it that I didn't have time to organize, which would have been an opportunity for us to get some of our community members to actually go to the food bank with us and participate in an activity that they Mm. do on a weekly basis. And we didn't do that. And had we, that event probably would have been at least as successful as the one that we did for the American Cancer Society, because we could have made it personal for them too.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So with us having the really deeply personal story, one that we were willing to tell, one we were willing to tell here, one that we actually got to tell in some really interesting ways when we saw how we resonated with people, we actually had a couple of groups come here um, and actually celebrate people they had lost. So, which was weird. You know, I didn't, like, with everything that I had been through and everything that we thought we were going to do with this, I had totally missed that. Mm-hmm. Like, I had not thought, oh, wait a minute. So people might actually come to celebrate with us, even though they might be celebrating like a, sad end
2: mm, for sure. them
3: but it's it's therapeutic for them it would have been an opportunity for them to be like we know we're in the right place mm-hmm. these people get
2: us these are people that understand right?
3: so that event was wicked successful and we understood why the next one we did wasn't as successful but that's because we couldn't make it quite as personal and we didn't do the piece that i that i wanted to do which mm-hmm. we had originally talked about because we were running up against the holidays and running out of time yeah had we and we will we're mm-hmm. going to get to that i think it'll change that so the, the personal piece is, is is extremely important when you're trying to engage with everyone you, you mentioned something about the breweries and competition we all are technically competitors with each other yeah. because everybody's got a limited number of dollars in their pocket they're going to allocate it. Some of it to go out and drink and hang out with their friends, which means some of us aren't going to get any of it Mm -hmm. on a given week. And some of us might get all of it. Depends on, you know, depends on the person's thoughts on where they want to go and what they really like. And some people just get really focused on a particular brand and that brand ends up getting the windfall of their, their resources. But we are all in competition with each other. And, it can it can be kind of challenging when you realize that because we're all flooding the market with mm. come check us out check mm-hmm. this new release out this and that and we're yeah. we're playing to that we might be Using a little bit of FOMO sometimes mm-hmm. to cultivate interest and everything, so we're all playing this game where we're twisting people's emotions and trying to tend to see you know whether or not they'll lean our way or 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 not in a given battle for
0: attention. Yep. Yeah, always everything. The,
3: that's
2: like the theme of this whole entire podcast.
3: It is, and, <laughs> know, and we can be pretty ruthless with each other as business owners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, given the opportunity, I mean, it, and as the competition ratchets up, I am sure that there will probably be situations where you're like, wow, those two places don't seem to really like each other. And it's, it, it, it isn't that they don't like each other necessarily. It's this, that one or both took a good shot at the other indirectly right. by yeah. being successful. We're in the same market. market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At a, at a point in time, i like, how can I beat on another
0: person? It's just like business. Yeah. And somebody mm-hmm. came
3: along, ate the lunch, walked away. And, you're, and the other one's like, Oh man. And then somebody did it the next time. And you, and you might think that they're battling each other, but they're battling to get the community's attention
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah,
3: because there's, we only have so much attention to pay. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's only so many hours in the week. That it's I'm like just... a trade off because yeah.
0: like, obviously you guys pick this area and this guest tap stuff. Like there's, there's so much happening inside there to feed each other. Right. So you have so much business that's happening. Like, like don't haven't heard of ancient fire until you go here. Well, this person says ancient fire. This person says great North or whatever it is. Like there's so much business that you're, Getting because of it, but there's also so much business that's obviously like you're talking about right now, like the attention, like
2: jostling for attention. At. But the market is also finite
0: resource. Yeah, you guys do have this it's like vibrant
2: community, and like obviously a very vibrant and interested you know base of people that like want your product they want your they want your feel they want like everything that comes with it
3: yeah we don't we don't get upset when we see other place other 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 producers in this market be successful because we want them to be I mean if if nothing else then it's an admission that our local economy is strong I mean, right. it's, it's something as simple as that like any business owner that wants to see other people in their own industry fail is losing sight of the fact that when that happens there's damage in the business community, which probably ends up boomeranging back to everybody somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody, you know, somebody is supplying us all with the same something here, you know, whether it's, you know, vendors for different products or, um, you know, a, a bank that doesn't invest in craft anymore because they had one go belly up on them, you know, sure. there's who knows what it could actually be, but, you know, so we don't get upset when we see other people be successful because we think that's actually a good thing. But as we mature as a company, being new right now, we, we have a lot of benefit of people are discovering us. And when you discover something new in this craft community, it gets exciting. Yeah. Ooh, we got to go check Rise. this place out. I've never heard of this before. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it won't be like that forever. right? And, you know, at that point, then you start looking at what everybody else is doing how much attention is being paid to them in a different way, because now you're wondering, Hmm, how much of that can I get? Mm -hmm. What do I have to do to get it? Mm -hmm. Now you're, now I'm not so much worried about, am I taking it away from anybody else as much as am I, am I broadening the pie and can I slide in and, and, and get a piece of it? That because I've made the game bigger mm-hmm. because of what we're doing, then I can get my piece of it and nobody suffers because right. of it. I mean, ideally that's what I would, I, I would love for it to be the case because I don't want anybody who's already been out there doing their thing to, to take a hit. But we are all in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. Healthy t- competition. People's yeah. tastes and preferences are going to. You take found them.
0: a pocket, like obviously, yeah. like this type of meat is something that I haven't had yeah. e- ever, and I love it, right? So, like, you're creating a, po- you've found a pocket, and you've created a pocket where you've created a whole new market, and you have a nice spot to sit in. But then, it's not wrong to say that like other craft lovers will latch onto that, and that's an existing market that's been there that you're tapping into yeah. too. So it's just natural.
3: Somebody actually asked me last weekend, you know, do you think there's anybody who's paying attention to what you're doing and thinking about coming into the marketplace behind you guys? Sure. It's entirely possible. Yeah. I would be willing to bet that we would have already met them yet because they'd probably come in here and sit at the bar because Mm. they'd probably see how much they could get out of us without tipping their hand to us. So Mm. you got to be probably somebody who's a home brewer already somebody who's probably fairly decent at it, has a pretty good feel.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was yeah. I was watching, yes, this whole thing is a, yeah. 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 a, a Trojan horse. Trojan podcast. And so, hey, I'm still on extract. I'm, a, I'm, hey, I'm not anywhere.
3: So we feel like we probably would have already met them. So we have met a number of homebrewers in here and have we met some that I, I think probably... <laughs> have the potential to do this. Yes. Do I, do I think we've met any of them that are ready to do it right now? No. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because what we're doing is still new enough, not well understood enough by people who are, you know, dipping into homebrew. And then there's a business that you have to run to be able to do this. That's not easy to do. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, There's not a low barrier here. There's a pretty high barrier to go and do this. So am I that worried about it? Not really. As soon as we start identifying that there are people that are coming in here on a regular basis and starting to kind of poke around at details that would make me think that they're, they're thinking a little bit more about this than sort of just personal fascination. Yeah. That might change my story a little bit just because yeah, if, if a competitor comes in, if they're really good, yeah, they could eat our lunch. It could happen tomorrow. If Expand somebody Expand and hire them. Boom. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Like, no, you're asking right, too many right. questions. You want to work? Yeah. Out. Do you need a job? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cut <laughs> cut them off from starting their own business soon <laughs> enough. So, yeah. but you know, but that, but that's right. But that's the answer. Is is that my story might change about how I would, how I, how I feel like I've met that person. But it would be what would my reaction be? What would I want to do? Right mm. now, I'd want to, I'd want to help them. I'd want them to understand. Do you know how complex this business is to get into? Is there something I can do to help you with that? Because you need to understand that before you do it. Mm -hmm. Understand that well before you get started and you'll be all set. So I probably would help them be a more potent competitor Mm -hmm. because I'd want them to really understand if you really want to do this, like here is how you want to do this in New Hampshire. I, I probably would be actually helping them really take a shot at us. But, but me we up. had
1: people help us. Yeah, mm-hmm. people so, help us, so we gotta we, pay it forward. We kind of so how we know people in the community is um, we kind of lucked out a lot. Uh, so we've been a members of Brew Free or Die, which is the biggest home brewing community in New, New Hampshire, Hampshire, at least. Awesome. Um, and uh, so Rob and Lisa North, who own Great North Aleworks, Brew Free or Die members. Paul St. Ange, Brewer at Backyard Brewer, used to be a brew for your die member. <laughs> Michael and Bernice Fairbrother and Moonlight Meatery, uh brew for your die members. Um so for your die check them out. For free or die. Uh, yeah, definitely check it's them out on small, Facebook. It's a small We don't world get a kickback from mentioning
0: that yeah.
2: either. Yes. No, That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <And> that's, <laughs> I've noticed that I think that's what's wonderful about it. It's just I can I can plug you and help you and I expect nothing in return. And I, I think that's really what people's allure to small businesses and creative projects is on the whole because they don't feel like there's this dishonest giant thing at them just trying to shove a product or something down their throat they do feel hey this is just two people who are doing their thing and they love doing it and as long as they can keep cultivating that then it'll keep happening which is and like you were saying with the you know i'm broadening the pie well if you if you're cultivating that in somebody else, well, then they're broadening the pie too. And, you know, we say it all the time, you know, rising tides, you know, raise all ships and mm-hmm. whatnot. So Absolutely. I think that's a, an important aspect and it definitely is something that you guys touch on quite a, quite a bit when you're talking about the other people and the community and how important the community has been in you guys getting off and how it could be important for other people getting off.
3: I mean, the mead-making community itself nationwide is still very small. There's probably mm-hmm. only about 500 or so meaderies or wineries that may make mead in addition to other products that are licensed and operating in the United States. So that's small. I mean, the, mm. the number of breweries is like six or 7,000 or something. So, I mean, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're less than 10% of that size. So it's, it's <laughs> a community that, that you know— people do know each other fairly well, but there are still a lot of people in that community that I've never met because there aren't that many opportunities to to meet them. There are a few nationwide events that are done, you know, in the, within the meat industry. So there are a couple of opportunities every year to, to go and meet people. But, you know, we, last year and this year, we haven't been able to make that only because we're, we have a business to run here and, and we're right. focused on our, our local marketplace. So, you know, but we have had a number of meat makers who actually have made the trip here. Um, and we've got some others that wanna make the trip and we will help them however they want because we feel like they're doing the same thing in their local marketplace that we are, which eventually as we grow our influence beyond just say, you know, thirty miles of Manchester, New Hampshire, which right. is pretty much where our influence is right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once we grow beyond that, we're helping with that rising tide throughout the country because mm-hmm. we're, we're making a mark on a region and saying, hey, mead, It's a thing here. People should know about it more. Multiple styles of mead, you know, we've introduced a a different style of mead than what people have been used to in this area. So that that raises the specter of what this thing is. So if they're doing that in their region and people being as mobile as they are, people are going to start seeing mead more and more as they travel going, wow, this is a thing everywhere. This is kind of a different
0: game. Yeah. Yeah. Like right now you go into a Hannaford's and you can walk by a bottle of Moonlight Meadery on like Mm a small little end cap shelf maybe right but how crazy would it be to think that you know the kid who's in college right now walking in to grab something to go drink for the night walks back instead of getting like a you know a six pack of wood check or something they're like hey i'm gonna grab this six pack of ancient fire right now because it's awesome you know what i mean like that's that 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 happens when that industry changes like that And I think we have a culture, too, nowadays, (laughs)
2: especially with younger people where they are more adamant to, I mean, maybe I'm speaking anecdotally a little bit, but I'm more likely if I see, you know, local this X, whatever it is. That's a fact. um, I'm just like, oh, man, I would much rather rather support this local place than buy a, a six pack of Bud Light right now. Um, and that's just, you know, I don't even care what your product is. That's just the fact that it's it's local and people people like to support local things and people, because that's just a reflection of you. You know, that's just somebody who's in your community who's really probably no different than you are. They, that's, a, that's a guy who lives down the street from you or a woman yeah. who lives down the street from you.
3: That gets back to the health mm-hmm. of the local business community. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think at the heart of it, you know, people that embrace local, they're, they're, they're thinking that they're, there's an impact that their dollar has mm-hmm. spent locally that it doesn't necessarily have when it's spent elsewhere. And we know that that's, we know that that's certainly the case. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and I, I think with beverage, it's localness... It is actually there's something here that people don't necessarily understand because it's never been this way for for most of the people that are alive in the United States right now. Almost every neighborhood had its own pub. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know,
0: that's like Germany in, in,
3: in years past. Yeah. And there's places where you go, you know, countries you travel to where it's still like that. So I think that that's what we're all we're all launching back towards. Although some of us don't necessarily know that that's the case and wouldn't really understand what that meant because we never saw it. So it's it's lore to us, but it sounds cool and it sounds mm-hmm. neat. So under the guise of, well, if we produce something locally, we can get a local community to rally around us you know, for the health of our local business environment. But there's also this other piece where the neighborhood bar model is starting to reemerge. Mm-hmm. And, I love
0: that. Me yeah, too. and
3: I think people are, are gravitating towards it, whether they realize or not, that it's, it's an old and very traditional type thing. Definitely. Whether that, bo- whether that is present for people or not, I don't think really matters because it's clearly working. Mm-hmm. But I th- that's something that, you know, it's a twofold thing. Not only are you helping the local business community, but you're also, you're also paying tribute to something that used to be this way that people took for granted. That for sure. You know, the bar you went to was the one that you walked by on your way home from work. Yeah. You didn't go two streets over to that bar unless, of course, you were meeting a friend or something like that because you had your own. You had mm-hmm. your own neighborhood bar. The guy, your house was literally across the street. You knew the guy who owned it. Mm-hmm. Why weren't you going to go there? That's exactly where you were going to go because everybody you knew was going to be there when you went. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we're getting back to. And, and that makes it fun too because you have that where does this go? What yeah. does this look like when we get to the point where we're going to do the next transition? Mm-hmm. We're going to look back and go, wow, that was a really fun experiment. What do we do next? You know, it. it so I, I think that's a piece that sometimes people don't necessarily remember about it because it's not something most of us really understand. Mm-hmm. It, it seems new to us to have these neighborhood pubs, and, and it is for us, but it's not in a longer term view.
2: It's like right, that's for recycling back of history. Now, um, we are doomed to repeat. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Hopefully not horribly, but <laughs> um, is what's like the hub of, of mead? You were saying how much smaller in scale meaderies are in terms of. Uh, breweries but so where's like the hub is new england you know where you find a lot of it most of it it's
3: it's an interesting question so i'll 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 of course i'll drop some names because i have no problem doing this i I think for the benefit of the industry it makes sense for people to understand you know where you might where you might find more of, of what we're doing so new england is certainly turning out to be a place that that has meteries for a small state like new hampshire to have three is actually kind of a surprise to people because we're a relatively small population. We're a state that people can easily forget about mm-hmm. unless yep. you're in a presidential election year. Yep. It's pretty easy for you to forget <laughs> that New Hampshire's here. It's true. So the all of a fact sudden we Manchester have, has like 10 people New in New
0: the Hampshire. street running around. Like, Yeah,
3: <laughs> and, and but at the, at the same time, it's, it's actually much harder to forget about New Hampshire in the context of Mead than it used to be because Moonlight Meadery is actually well-known across the country. They yeah. distribute to quite a few states. So their brand is actually recognizable. The fact that people are buying it off shelves there and may not actually know it comes out of New Hampshire is truly possible. But I'm betting a lot of people are like, well, that's really neat, New Hampshire. I wouldn't have expected, mm-hmm. because they don't know what to expect. Like, what do we do in New Hampshire? Like, what do we, <laughs> we produce? <laughs> some mountains. <laughs> yeah, we have some lakes, some mountains. Maple you know. syrup.
1: And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and every
3: four years, the presidential election gets all whipped up We have up a lot of vacation
0: homes for people that live in Massachusetts. Sure. Or yes. Right, That's right.
1: big. So, <laughs> so no certainly sales m- tax. more
3: well-known.
0: <laughs> I love um, New Hampshire. I do
3: too. Every... Every New England state, except Rhode Island, to my knowledge, there's got to be a meadery in Rhode Island somewhere. And if I and if I am already supposed to know what it is, I apologize. Sorry to ahead of time to already apologizing ahead of time <laughs> if I've forgotten you. But there are meaderies in all the New England states. And so it's, it's certainly an area that it's it's something that people do. Um, if you were to travel to other places of the country and wanted to immerse yourself in mead, there are a couple places that you could go. Um, Michigan. Um, is is a big hotbed for it so ferndale michigan actually has a couple of, of decent sized meaderies in it um bee nectar um uh shrams meadery one of the one of the, sort of the the, the top meaderies in in a um, in a in a high-end dessert style mead with a lot of local or estate grown fruit so very meticulous in the way they do things so they've caught quite a bit of attention for the last few, few years bee nectar has been around for quite quite a number of years as well. And they do a sessionable mead, a lot of bottled. We don't get it here in New Hampshire, but you can get it down in Massachusetts. Um, We actually first ran into sessionable mead out in Oregon. I want to say maybe back in 2008 or 2009. And it was from Nectar Creek. And they actually just finished a big expansion. They've got a much bigger production facility and and tap room. So clearly that's been been booming for them. California. Um, I was just in San Diego, last May and visited a relatively new metery that was there. Um, they've had two or three more open up in the San Diego area since um, Austin Texas is where Meridian Hive is um, they make sessionable mead um, some of the best that I've actually had the last time I hung out with them they had actually won I think four gold medals in a, at the international mead making event for sessionable meads that year I mean and, and you, you try them all you're like no no kidding these these are really good like really really clean great flavors really easy to drink which is you know what the style of mead is supposed to be like mm-hmm. and 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 so I've kind of ringed the country. You start in New England, head out Midwest, Oregon, California, back to Texas. But honestly, everywhere in between, we we have friends that are opening up meteries in Kansas, in Maryland, the Dakotas, the Dakotas, I mean, more in Michigan. So it, it's everywhere, but because there's only a few hundred of us, mm-hmm. it's easy to miss it. Right, right. Unless you already know about it, someone's got to introduce it to you or you've got to see it randomly on tap somewhere going, Hey, where's that from?
2: Get on the mead game people. Yeah. I mean, and that's (laughs) what we're
3: trying to tell people is, is that travel, you know, travel to to find it. You know, you, you've, we've got friends that open up meteries in in Delaware and Maryland recently. We had someone in from Washington, DC. I said, Hey, within, you know, I I think an hour, maybe two hours of you, there's a whole bunch of new ones too. They never even heard the names of any of them because, just like us, they're small. Their sphere of influence is fairly small. Their advertising doesn't reach that far beyond their local area. A, because we're not big enough yet to magnify that type of reach. And B, you don't really want to because you can't satisfy the demand of the local audience you already have. You know, mm-hmm. you go too crazy and, and advertise too much. You're you're gonna be chasing expansion like mad in this because when people finally do have it they do generally fall in love with it. And yep, it's,
0: absolutely
3: the product does do a good job of selling itself, mm-hmm. which is a nice asset to have right now as a, as a new business. Right. Mead, you know, mead has, has been, I think easier to sell than I thought it was going to be. Um,
1: Especially cruising Elm.
3: Yeah. So cruising Elm, our Concord great flavored mead. I, 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 it's going to be the bane of my existence. I am going <laughs> to, I can't make enough of it right now. And right now I'm on a schedule where I can't, I can't actually accelerate the next batch of it I want to make and I really want to mm-hmm. um, but I can't. I'm, I'm going to sort of back up against the wall of, for timing to be able to do that and we might run out of it again this weekend.
1: But, as but long if as Jason is on, listening <laughs> we will have it on tap for the Super Bowl. <laughs> he's, one of, he's one of our regulars and he insists that every time <clears throat> yep. the Patriots started winning when he started drinking, cruising Elm oh, while watching online.
0: the Patriots. So literally
1: within like 30 seconds of them winning the game on Sunday, he had pinged us on on Facebook. Said, so and said I will be Bowl. in for the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh my god!
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So,
3: it, so I, I think you know, it, it's It's been a little bit easier to, to sell than we had thought it was going to be. I mean, and does that last forever? Probably not. Just because once you saturate people that are naturally inclined to want to try new things, you're going to work a little bit harder to penetrate into an audience that, that you haven't you haven't messaged to yet. But it's been great to 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 be able to have the product really sell itself when people come in, sometimes they're like, well, I don't really know what to expect. I don't know what to think, like just, you know, dealer's choice on a flight. And then that gives us the opportunity to give them four different things from our menu, give them some solid things that you're pretty sure that, you know, if they're, if their palate's sort of in the, sort of in that sweet spot that they're going to dig at least a couple of them and then give them a couple that, you know, if, if they've got an adventurous palate, they may be all about them as well. and, I can't think of any time that that's not really worked for someone to say, wow, this is really interesting. A few people are like, eh, you know, it's it, it's okay. It's maybe not my thing. Mostly sometimes people are like, oh, it's too sweet. They like dry stuff. Yep. They like dry cocktails, dry wine. Yeah, you're probably not that be jazzed about what we're doing here because it does have sugar in it. Yep. And if you're really, like if your palate's just averse to to the sweet flavor of it, it's just not that exciting to you, yeah, it, you might leave here with less than, than an excited opinion about it because it wasn't for you. Preferential. Yeah, but it's, it, but we've never had anybody say that they thought the stuff was horrible because it was too sweet. Hmm. It just like, it's not really for me. Right. Right. Some people, people ask, what's the driest thing you have? We have some that are drier, so we'll load them up with a couple ones that are dry. And as an intro, that usually works pretty well. And sometimes they'll try the sweeter ones going, oh, I didn't think I'd like that as much, but I actually really do like this.
0: Sweet. So uh, I could go on probably forever with you. Um, but I do have to cap this out. I think you said something that you had to like, you had to run somewhere. Uh, Oh no, we just have
3: more. I just have more production work to do out back to finish up my day. So forever. (laughs) Yes. That hour, that hour did go by really fast. Cruising Elm. He's just out there
0: laboring on that thing. No, Mm -hmm. Uh,
3: actually. I wasn't doing anything at all with that today. So what's funny about it. I'll, I'll tell you why I'm back up against the wall. So the way we produce our stuff, something like cruising Elm gets flavored right before it gets finished up. So it needs mead. That's already been fermented. That mead came out of a tank today. It needs another day or so to ferment. So I'm on schedule to keg it on the 31st, which is when I want to do it, which is next Thursday. I'd love it if I could do it sooner, but I'm not going to be able to. If it were two weeks from now, I'd be able to actually keg it and have it on have it available before the end of the weekend. So we wouldn't run out, but Mm -hmm. I just can't because of of how quickly the supply has, has crashed with it. So what I was working on today is actually other stuff because there's nothing else I can do. Mm -hmm, I can't make it any quicker than that. And so we might run out again this weekend. We've actually already been out for part of a Friday night and one Saturday already this month. Dang. So we'll have a riot by the end of the weekend. If we, do, if we do it again and, <laughs> and we saw I some, I don't
0: get my cruising out. I know. Like, I, God They're damn it, outside it. I to break in the torches, windows, yeah. just Flipping cars. <laughs> and we saw something
3: that first day. It was not on tap this month that I didn't expect that we would see. People went home with an empty growler. They did not want anything else. Oh. It is the one thing that they love. They Yikes. came here. They had a Vicious. flight. With other stuff in it, but the growler was cruising out. And if they couldn't have it, they were happy to try some other things, but nothing sang to them in a way that they'd be willing to fill that growler with it and take it home. (laughs) They'll wait. I did not expect to see that. And it's, I mean, you got to love that. How can
2: you hate the demand?
3: Yeah. That they love that thing so much. And, you know, so you you go home kicking yourself going, "Eh, I guess I should have made more of that the last time around. You could drive yourself nuts with that. Mm -hmm. You'll never be able to, to do that. I could make only that for the rest of my life and sell it so that i wasn't sitting on piles of kegs of it and i'd probably still run out of it mm-hmm. right because if if people really like it that much they'll find it, it sells itself yeah they'll find it so and, and so it's been very exciting to be able to do that and we hope that we have some other products that have actually been harder to keep on tap we've not invested as much in making them as frequently we are doing more of that now because people kept asking about them so we're probably setting ourselves up to have a couple products like this before the end of this year, where we just can't make enough of it. And it, it disappears every once in a while for a short period of time, just because of our production schedule. And we just hope that people will be patient with us about that. Like we mm-hmm. don't need a riot. Like, let's, mm-hmm. you know, can we get you it'll something back, else? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Trust me. It'll be back in two weeks. So, so I've got four questions that right. I ask every time at the end, I changed it because I used to have a question where I said, what made you initially get into it? But like, I kept getting that like every time, like I got it. Like I know why you're here, you know? <laughs> so now I just go right in. We get the feel. I ask, um, what is the biggest mistake that you've ever made in this process? And everyone's super positive as an entrepreneur. So like, everyone's like, well, I didn't, it wasn't a mistake. Cause I learned from you it. Know, no what, mistakes, what's like something that you'd throw out there just like, maybe is like someone who's getting either into this industry or any business for themselves that you'd be like, Hey, look out for this or maybe do this a little bit differently than I did. Cause this wasn't the best way.
3: <sighs> That's a good one. Um, I guess transition from corporate America to this, this is my business. I am very passionate about this. I do get to do this full time, but make no mistake. I am working harder than I ever did before. If anyone is thinking about going into the beverage business and you rock a desk right now, go and volunteer at a friend's brewery for a day and just make sure that you're willing to do that day after day after day because it's backbreaking work. And I worked a desk for 25 years. I was not immediately ready for it. I've gotten Mm -hmm. used to it. You can condition yourself. It's like working out. It's like strength Mm -hmm. training. Like you can condition yourself. (laughs) So, I, you know, but I've also gotten used to being sore all the time. So I guess it's not so much of a mistake as just misjudging the impact of it. And it will have an impact. So, but if you're, if you're coming from a place where you labor, the impact will probably be the opposite. Don't focus on that. That part alone, you know, are you, are you similarly capable of, of, you know, like the cat in the hat twiddling the plate and all this other stuff on multiple fingers at the same time? Right. Like, can you do all that stuff? And, and that piece we were ready for because in corporate America, you, you learn how to do that pretty quickly. Mm. The laboring piece, I knew it was hard work, but as I started working in friends breweries in the summer of 2017, as we're getting work here, I'd come home and I'd be like, oh man, I'm, in, right. I'm in for something. Cause this was a long day and I'm already sore and tired and yeah, I stack that up six days a week. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. All right. So, on the flip side, what's the best idea that you've had throughout this process?
1: Um,. From my perspective. Oh, Margo's got
0: it. Uh,
1: go. It was our hashtag.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: Hashtag delicious, delicious AF.
0: AF. Which, ah, who, go made go who made all, it? Who made uh,
1: it? Oh. That's
2: the social
0: media
1: yes. groundbreaking so, maneuver. <laughs> I think what's funny, and you'll appreciate this because, you know, you were mentioning being a millennial. Yeah. Is that we will have younger millennials come in. and They'll, they, they'll, they'll eat this hey, I heard really, that this, this, this was really delicious. To me. They'll be like you know this has a different meaning, right?
2: I know. It's called the double entendre. Yes. And
1: my, yes. my response is always, you know that I'm not I that know. old. Like, I understand what the Twitter is and the Facebooking.
0: Even though you're not really the one that does it. You got to go. Yeah. I know that that's not a pound sign. That's Thank right.
1: you. Yes. So I would say no, between, that, between that and understanding from having a conversation from the beginning that, Our primary goal, like the meat is great and the product is great, but our primary goal was to build as much of a community as we could and like it's paid back in so many different ways that we never expected. Like we have so much support from our core people who love our product, who love our place that, I mean, we, a couple weeks ago, I went to the wedding of two of our regulars. They invited us to their wedding. Awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. I've
3: only known them for a few months. So, I mean, it's not like we, it's not like they, they, we knew them and they started coming here. We we literally met them here. Wow. That's great. Right. I think, um, the hashtag is, is definitely been very important cuz it's v- very very engaging for for people for sure. Yeah, uh, we put it on a t-shirt, you know, mm-hmm. so people see that. I think we get comments on it probably at least at least once a week. I I, I would I would say at least that much. That's awesome. So it it's still it's definitely still paying back a lot.
0: Okay. Cool. Uh, where do people keep up with you guys? I know that you're inter- involved in like a ton of different communities where do people keep up with ancient fire in general other than the flat out tap room like maybe they're in another state or something and they, they want to keep up with you
1: uh, that would be well right now if you want to know what's going on the best place to go is the Facebook's <laughs> the, the Facebook's, Facebooks. Yeah. Um, not a millennial there I would say that if you're out, if you're outside of New Hampshire um, that within probably the next two months we are going to be available in 32 states via Vino Shipper which cool. is an online cool. um, wine distributor okay cool. so that's going to it won't be our crum- product. It'll be our stronger standard meads, but yeah, that'll be in the next couple of months. That'll be up and running.
3: Cool. We have a pretty active Instagram account. I like to keep show pictures of of things that are going on. Um, Like we made two batches, two big batches of mead today. It's the most mead we've made here in a day since we opened. And we actually started fermenting about a year ago. So it's a big move for us to actually be filling up two tanks like that today just because we need to get ahead of, of demand. So one of the other things that I think is important. And I, and I mentioned this every once in a while to people, I don't know how many people are paying attention um, in the local craft community. We're not in the booze business. People will be surprised to really understand, like take to heart, you're not really in the booze business. You're in the entertainment business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you really understand what that means, you'll focus on All of the areas work together. The beverage has to bring its piece to the party, but you've got to put everything else around it. And when you focus on the fact that people are coming to you for an experience, they want to be entertained or they want to have fun in conjunction with your experience. Being here to be able to hang out with their friends may be enough for them to have fun. The beverage adds that piece to it. If you can provide that and you can remind yourself that you're in their entertainment business and you want to make sure that people are enjoying themselves, not just because they're drinking.
0: It's not just like a, there is no build it and they will come, right? So you can build, the sickest meadery ever and your mead could be amazing right and people are still going to buy it but if this place is the worst to hang out in and like bad things happen here then they're not going to come even if the mead is amazing they'll they'll probably buy it on the shelf or something and hang out at home and and drink it but like it wouldn't be the same thing if you're not cultivating a culture and then in just a reality basically that people tap into and that that goes in basically with like aside from the taste that you have where now like that taste directly is correlated with a memory in that memory that's a different type of thing that like a taste palette is an instant gratification type of thing but a memory is something that's malleable uh that you can keep keep moving basically
3: yeah and when they they when they've had a good time the word of mouth on that good time goes way farther than the word of mouth mm-hmm. and the beverage. The the word of mouth and the beverage definitely helps. Sure. But people are dragging friends in here because no, it's really fun. The place mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah. They get good beverages too. Like it's different. It's new. You've never, you never actually had this before. So it's, it's understanding what business that you're in here. And I think it's evolving for the beverage business. I think more and more businesses are starting to realize this. And, and I didn't invent this. The chief economist for the brewers association actually, Outright said this at a meeting I was at last year, said, just get it out of your mind that you guys are in the booze business. Yes, you make beverage alcohol, but you're in the entertainment business.
0: I love that. It's,
3: mm. it's an activity for people. Wow. And you got to remember that. So this is a place it. to be. Yeah, it, it's part of them having a weekly schedule of activities for fun for themselves. Mm. That's how people see it. Cool. It's not just booze
0: awesome awesome well, thank you guys for having us yeah, at your fantastic. metery and it won't be the last time that you see us for sure yeah, we'll next time i'll here. be hanging out while well, i'm hanging out right now thank Bye. you for I'll having us on the you. show this oh, has me. been it's awesome af
1: awesome af
0: has got derivations on the hashtag tomorrow waking up hashtag wakingupfromwork.com. Hash like AF, you know, yeah. like whoa, what, happened? <laughs> what
3: was it? What was it last weekend? Be prepared AF and yeah. come get your growler Be before AF the, the storm. <laughs> <So. laughs>
2: it's just everywhere. That's brilliant.
0: Awesome. That. So thank you guys so much for listening. This is episode thirteen of the Waking Up from Work podcast. You can check us out, see some show notes and some things that these guys reference at wakingupfromwork.com. You can see us on the facebooks mm-hmm. at waking up from work or Instagram at Dave Wake the Up or Instagram. Twitter at Dave Wake Up, which I totally don't use Twitter, but I have it. I don't know why. Um, Thank you guys for listening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Keep hustling.
2: Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks.